today is a very special day, um, and uh, it's, because it's my great privilege to uh, welcome to the stage not one, but two guest speakers uh, for the first time here at Current. Uh, ben and Shauna Pilgreen, together with their family, uh, hail from the great city of San Francisco. Uh, they're joining with us today. Uh, they planted a church about eight years ago up there called Epic Church, uh, a church that is doing uh, great things in the city, having an incredible impact. Um, but it's also a church that has partnered with us here at Current from uh, before day one, since before launch day. Um, so it's really special to have these guys. Uh, Shauna recently authored a book called Love Where You Live. Uh, it'll be available for purchase afterwards. Uh, if you, if you want to check it out, I highly recommend it. It's a great, great read, and it has uh, uh, it, it follows a lot of uh, some of the big themes that we want to be about here at Current. It's also going to be the topic of their of their talk today. So I'm excited for that. And then uh, Ben, uh, you may recognize his name because if you've been here for any length of time, uh, you you may know that he is our external. Uh, he's one of our external board members. Um, I wish I had time to share stories about the countless phone calls, the countless trips up to San Francisco, either for coaching or mentoring purposes or for uh, situations of crises. Ben, help me. Like, how do I figure this out? Um, their uh, staff has been incredibly helpful. Will will be preaching again later in August. These guys' phone numbers might as well be in our phones as speed dial uh, numbers. Uh, um, all this to say is current would not be current today if not for God working through this family in that church up there. Uh, we would not be seeing the impact if not, if not for God uh, working through this wonderful family, um, which is all to say we're not just inviting any special guests up today. Uh, we're inviting family. Um, so can we give a warm round of applause of a welcome to invite Shauna and Ben to the stage? On our drive down here this morning, we were just thinking, wow, it's so cool how things can be happening all at the same time, right? Our church back in San Francisco, you guys are setting up down here. And even to think of the countless churches that are worshiping right now all over the Bay Area, that's pretty exciting. Well, I'm going to want some audience participation this morning. I see some smiles because you've been up for a few hours, and some of you, this will be your wake up. So this is all I require. That's it. All you have to do is raise your hand. Okay, so I'm going to describe three categories, and you are in one of the three. Okay? So you have to raise your hand only once. I, from my vantage point, I will probably see a few hands go up twice and that kind of thing, but it's okay. I'll probably be the only one that notices that. So I'm going to give a full description of each category, and if it's you, I want you to raise your hand. Category one, you just moved here. You, it is still your excuse for not knowing all things Silicon Valley. You're saying yes to everything so that you can make friends and get to know this community. Maybe you still have a few boxes unpacked or stored in the garage, and you're not quite sure this is home yet. If that's you, raise your hand. You would say you're new. All right, awesome, awesome. Delayed hands, that's still good, that's still good. Okay, second category. Raise your hands if you've been here a while. The new car scent has worn off. You have a routine here. You have your favorite stores. Your um, 
Meal delivery, grocery delivery, dry cleaning delivery, dog walking, all of that stuff is set up. You've got your routine here. And you may call this place home, or maybe you have an eye on that place over there. But you've been here a while. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay, a lot more, a lot. This means there's going to be a lot of hands in this last one. Okay, the last category is you would say, I'm settled in. You plan on being here a while. This place feels like home. When someone says, hey, where are you from? You say Bay Area, Mountain View, Silicon Valley. You say this because you're either a local, consider yourself a local, you were born here, or you've been here longer than you can count. Now, as of this weekend, well, let me, first of all, how many of you would say that's you? Local, born here, consider this place home. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, for our family, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, marks nine years in the city. Nine years in the city. And in the city, that says a whole lot for being somewhere nine years. But the number of years aren't important. It's how well you love the place that you live no matter how long you're there. So no matter what category you find yourself in this morning, I want you to know that God is a sending God. He sent you here. John 20, 21, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And because God is a God of order and not a God of chaos, where he sends you is important. This means that the place he sends you matters. It matters to God, therefore it must matter to us. I describe place as what's around you and what's beneath your feet. Place represents culture. Place and culture matter because it's what shapes the minds and the hearts and values of the people in a given space. So think about it. What brought you here? What brought you to Silicon Valley? What do you do here? How long have you lived here? I've got really good answers for why I live in San Francisco, and they're legitimate ones. But if I strip everything away, if you strip everything away, the reason we're here is because God has sent us here. And if he has all authority and control, we have to believe this about him. He is at work in your life. He's at work in your neighbor's life, even though they're not sure he's at work. He's at work in your coworkers' lives. He's at work in the lives of everyone in this room. Because he has purpose for your life, you being in Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley matters a lot. It is true that God can be found everywhere. So don't give up on him here. I have lived in Christian cultures most of my life. And by saying that, that means I'm saying that I don't feel like San Francisco is necessarily a Christian culture. But I have lived in Christian cultures most of my life. But personally, I believe I've encountered more of God in the Bay Area than any other place I've ever lived. Now, it has just as much to do with my heart being receptive to what God's doing as it does with God's activity around me. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible and the stories from the Bible, then you will know that God showed up in prisons. He showed up on the streets with prostitutes. He showed up in the lion's den. He was in rooms with the dying. He was on the outskirts of town. He was in the deserts, and he was in the valleys. And maybe these places seem to describe where you feel like you're living right now. But this morning, 
And as we look forward, let's not doubt that God is in this place where we live. The questions we have for you this morning, have you seen him here? Have you seen him here at work in the Silicon Valley? Are you even looking for him here? What's fascinating is that whether you're looking for God or not, he's actually looking for you. And let's be honest, some of you thought this is the very last place on earth where you would discover God looking for you. I can't tell you how many conversations that I have with people in our church, eventually somehow have made it to our church, and they would say some version of, I literally came here to get away from all of that. How did he find me here? What's fascinating is that there was a guy named Paul who wrote about half of the New Testament. And what's incredible about his journey is that Jesus was the last person that Paul was looking for when Jesus came looking for Paul. When you get a chance, this isn't our text for today, but check out Acts chapter 8 whenever you get a chance and then move into Acts chapter 9. But what is happening in that moment is this guy was, who was called Saul, he's now, we know him as Paul, right? This amazing Christian who not only did he probably, I would say, advance the mission of Jesus more in the first century than anyone except for Jesus himself. But when he encounters Jesus, he is not looking for Jesus. He's just received permission to go into the synagogues of Damascus, and anyone he finds in the synagogue belonging to the way, belonging to Christianity, he now has permission to go and put them into prison in Jerusalem. But it's on that very road, as some of you know, where Jesus finds him, though he wasn't looking for Jesus at all. He was trying to destroy the very thing Jesus was doing. So no matter where you find yourself today, if God were to find you and your heart, as Shauna mentioned, would be open and receptive, you may find yourself doing something just like I'm doing right now, which I know scares you to death. It scared me to death one day too. But so when Jesus transforms Paul's life, he doesn't just change his life. He doesn't just help him understand the gospel message. And when you hear that word gospel, don't overthink that. It literally just means good news, okay? If someone tries to unpack a, a much weightier version of that, that, that's literally all it means, someone who brings good news. And so he not only receives this message, but now he gets called to go and share this message with others. So here's his strategy. Paul would take off into a city. He would share this message with people. And as people began to believe, a church would form. He would lead that church, and then he would peace out, install leadership in that church. Everyone around here knows in the valley what we refer to as a serial entrepreneur. This exactly is what Paul was doing. He was a guy who started probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20-plus churches. And I'm just envious of this guy because, David, I don't know about you, and you don't have to make a commitment here, but when it comes to starting churches or being a church starter, an entrepreneur, I'm a one-and-done kind of guy. And, but Paul is establishing this all over the place. So um, just for a little bit of context, when you get into your Bible and you get into places like First and Second Corinthians, that's just Paul after he started the church in Corinth writing a letter back to them to instruct them. When you see the church, uh, the, Paul addressed the church at Galatia. It's because he helped establish this church. He moves on. The same thing in the city of Ephesus. And, and you can go on and on and on down the list. And so what he would do that I love is he would show up in a place and he would understand a couple of things. One, that there's a central message of our faith. Right, That Jesus loved us, that he gave himself for us, and if we place our faith in him by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone, we can be invited into the family of God. One central message, but what 
Paul did that was fascinating and why I'm bringing it up right here in Mountain View is because depending on where he found himself, he tailored his message accordingly. Does that make sense? There, there, there are some things that we should say in the Bay Area that wouldn't make sense to people if they were listening to this message in the Midwest or in a different country. And I think the most fascinating place where this happens is in the city of Athens. If you have a Bible, I'm going to look just at Acts 17, a few um, different scriptures there. Um, and, and starting in verse 16, so, so here's what happens. Paul would get to a place. He would observe the people in that place. He would get familiar with their culture. What are the things that they valued? What are the things they held as idols in their culture? And he, he would respond accordingly. So in our church, for instance, one of the things I want to aim to do in San Francisco is make sure that what I'm speaking into really hits people who live in San Francisco in the broader Bay Area. The way I like to say it is this, if someone in Missouri is listening to a podcast of Epic Church, you are welcome in, but we're not addressing you specifically because God has sent us to a, this place. He, he sent us to this place. He didn't just send us generally, he sent us to this place. And so in Acts 17, verses 16 and 17, here's what it says happens when Paul gets to Athens. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. Just pause there for a moment, and then we'll get back in just a second. Paul's in Athens, and he does what anyone needs to do. When David and Cindy decided that they were going to start current church, I don't know if he had great wisdom from the north or not, but, but they knew that they needed to tailor their church and their communication to you people who actually live here. There are places you can imagine around the U.S. where they would have never said today, we want to be as paperless as possible. <laughs> but he knows that's a big deal to you guys, and so he's like, I'm like, oh, I'll take that one back. Um, so, so, so he tailors his communication based on where he is. And so Paul understands a few things that if you've studied philosophy at all, you know a lot of it originates out of Athens. And so what he observed taking place there in Athens is people like to sit around and just talk about the latest ideas. Is it like any place that you know of? That's all they would do. They would just sit around. And what's incredible, though it's not known as a Christian place, to Shauna's point, what's incredible is the openness that we find here in the Bay Area. Now, that allows for a lot of things, right? Maybe a cult down the street, maybe all kinds of different things posing to be a church. But what it allows is for people at least to give us a hearing oftentimes even if they have the wrong impression of our faith and its founder. And so what Paul sees is that these guys love to talk about all kinds of things. So he begins to debate with them. Why does he debate? He's not arguing with them. Debate was their form of how they exchanged ideas with each other. And so he gets into this, and he begins to tell them this foreign teaching about Jesus and his resurrection. And they actually want to hear more. So they invite him to the town hall meeting, or what they called the Areopagus. And the Areopagus was a council that oversaw the civil and religious life right there in Athens. And they say, we want to hear from you. And so when he begins his speech, he says to them, when I was walking around, I noticed that you're very religious. So he's esteeming what he can esteem. He's complimenting them on what he can compliment them on. He said, but I noticed you had this one altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. And so he takes what he sees in their culture, and he wants to say to them, and he does say to them, that the unknown God that you're not sure who he is, I want to tell you about him. That's where you pick it up in verse 24, and he says this. 
The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Why? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. If nobody's told you this, or at least you haven't thought about this in a long time, hear me. The creator of the universe has you in this place at this time for a purpose. Some of you, this is your word for today. Some of you are like, I just, this is random. I feel like my life here is pointless. The creator of the universe, the great God of heaven and earth, has you in this place at this time for a purpose. You might not like that he has you in this place. Don't raise your hand. We do not want to lower the morale of a church planner who's trying to build a church here. You may be counting down the days until you get to leave this place. You may feel like you're merely existing. You might be here to make your money, to see the stock go public and then get out of here because you came to consume. Whatever the reason you think you're here, what I want to say is I think there's an overarching reason why you are here in this place, in this season. It's because God has a purpose for you. But the question you should ask is why here, why now? Why here and why now? Paul would say it this way, and I'll just give it to you on the screen. You are here to find God or to help others find God. You're here, uh, here of all places, to find God or to join the mission of Paul and to join the mission of current church and help other people discover who God is. You're here so that people will find him, so that you will find him again. You might be far from the place you used to call home. Anyone, you would say Silicon Valley is really far from where you called home originally? Anybody? Just really far. Maybe other side of the country, maybe some other country. Others of you, Silicon Valley is far from the place you wish you called home. But whatever the reality is, God brought you here so that you would discover who he is, and then you would step into the purpose he has in you helping other people discover who he is. And one of the best ways to step into that purpose is to join arms with the people who are leading the way here at Current Church. Did you have 120 volunteers before you did the Google Bus Beach Day, or was that... You did the Google, got it. I'm just working on strategy up here this morning. I'm thinking, okay, how do we get more people serving in San Francisco? Beach day. Ah, we just told them that God expects you to. No, it's okay. We'll, 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 we'll give them something, I promise. I'm, I'm coming with the gospel message, the good news of volunteerism. Let me ask you a question. Have you had that moment that helps you see why God has you in Silicon Valley? Whether your answer is yes or no, let me just encourage you. But I want to ask you again, have you had that moment or maybe you've had several moments where you begin to at least understand a little bit why God has you here. Maybe it's an interaction with a neighbor who needs you. Maybe your child has some medical difficulties and you realize now that God brought you here, not so much for your world and you blowing it up in the corporate world or in the tech world, but he brought you here because your second grader needs incredible medical help and he's put you right next to Stanford Hospital. 
I don't know why it is that God has you here completely, but I want you to build your confidence in the reality that he has you here, even if he hasn't yet shared with you the purpose for which he has you here. And one of the things I love that God is doing is in the last decade, there have been tons of churches started just like mine and just like yours in the Bay Area. It is not accidental that at the time of this boom with what is happening from here going throughout the world, that God would call men and women and boys and girls and entire church communities to rise up at this specific time because, guys, he wants to do something new. What we said in San Francisco is we saw so much influence emanating from this place into the future and around the world. And so we thought, what if this amazing message of grace that Jesus offers us, what if the influence keeps going far and wide and deep and we get to be a part of that? And that's what you're invited into. This isn't mostly about you having something to do for an hour on a Sunday so you can call your mom in the afternoon and, you know, you tell her you went to church. She sends you $50 because you guys had a deal when you moved to Silicon Valley. If you would just go to church, I will pay you still. But you're like, Mom, I work at Google. And she's like, I know, but I just want you to go to church. And, uh, and, and that's great, whatever, whatever the case may be. But I think about someone in our congregation who was honestly disappointed when she realized what God did not have for her. Uh, my friend's name is Eugenia, and she is Chinese, and she grew up in a household where her father was a pastor missionary. And she went to Cal Berkeley, and the whole time throughout her growing up days, she wanted to have the same calling on her life as her father did. She wanted to be doing what David does, what, what I do. She saw this as kind of the sacred vocation of all vocations, and um, she wanted to do that. And then when she realized that God didn't have this for her, she was severely disappointed. And if you were to sit down with her today, she would be like, yeah, I've just... I just thought I got a second-tier vocation. But the thing that God did have for her was to move into being a partner at one of the major four accounting firms in the nation. And she now does that. Well, in her role now, there are interns who come over from China by um, the dozens every single year. And what Eugenia now knows is that the reason God didn't call her to have my job is because she could reach more people in her company with having the job that she has and what's been fascinating is these interns come over mostly from Asia. They step into her life. She shares with them about tax law. Boring. And then she gets the chance. And just kidding. If that's you, we're thankful for all of you who keep us straight. <laughs> and then she gets the chance to share with them this message of hope that she's found in Jesus. And can you imagine what it would be like to be in our setting on a Sunday morning to see a makeshift baptistry set up right here to the right of the stage and see her friends who came over to do an internship in business because of their faith in Jesus going under the water and coming up. One of those girls, we baptized her, and her parents had flown over from China, and we baptized them on the same day. Why? Because she understood that though God didn't have this for her, he had something much better. And whatever God has put in your hand, and whatever he's put in your mind, and whatever he's put in your heart, he has for you. But stories like Eugenia's story are not automatic. You see, whether that kind of story becomes your story has everything to do with your posture towards this place you call home. So let me describe for you the two different postures that we can have. Posture one. All right, I moved here. Hello. Here's what I need. Here's what I want. I need you to give it to me, Silicon Valley. And when you don't and when you let me down, and it will, I'm going to be mad at this place and at this people. The other posture we can have is, God, you have made 
a way for me to be here. This place is yours. The people all around me are yours, and I am yours. Use me to make this place better. And when Silicon Valley lets me down, and it will, it's going to be okay. Because this place around me and the people around me are a gift, not a God. Do you see the self-absorption in this first posture? But when our posture is positioned towards God and the big picture of being here, then we are ready to give to this place that's going to outlast all of us. Give to this place that will outlast you. How do we give to this place? I guarantee you're already doing it. We give by volunteering. We give by raising a family here. We give by acknowledging our neighbors and our coworkers as we walk by. We give by speaking good of this place. We give by enjoying all this, that this place has to offer, the trails, the restaurants, the shows. And we give by investing in the next generation. When we start to think, and I hope you're doing that this morning, when we start to think, we start to dream. And when we start to dream, we are tapping into the supernatural that can only be achieved by the hand of God at work in and through us. So what if we started to think, I can stay here rather than I've got to get out of here? What if? What if we started to think, I could stay here rather than I've got to get out of here? I want us to be worthy of the land that God is giving us. Worthy of the land that God has given us. This will um, not be breaking news, but we aren't the first ones here. People came before us. People prepared the land for us. People even came here as believers to this area before we got here. We're not the first ones here. But let us be worthy as they have invested into our generation and we want to invest in the next generation. Let's be worthy of the land that God is giving us. See this place for what it is. This area is a place that God wants to redeem and a people that he loves very much. Ben mentioned it a minute ago, but I believe that God is doing more here in the Bay Area because people are moving in. Churches are being established and people like you and I, we're beginning to see our purpose here and we're being our witnesses. We're telling our story like that song that we sang a minute ago. We're telling our story of the good things that we're seeing God do in us. And we're doing this in the startups and in the hospitals and at the schools and in the businesses and in our neighborhoods. If you are doing this, keep going. Keep going. If this is a brand new idea, there is still so much land in the Bay Area to gain. What we do where we live, it really does benefit the land and the people who live here. I want you to look at what God says to the Israelites who were sent into exile in Babylon in Jeremiah 29. I'm going to read three verses. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, 
you too will prosper. Oh, there's so much to unpack in these verses. But let me ask you, how many of you built your house here? Do we have anyone that has built a house and living in it here? That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> None of us, okay? But how many of you are eating the produce of the land here? Right? The artichokes, the garlic, all this good, delicious stuff that we have here. I want to talk about one part, one phrase in this passage, and that is plant gardens. We don't have a garden per se at our house, but here's what I mean by this. Planting gardens means putting something into this culture that yields fruit. He tells us to plant gardens where we live, to put something into this culture that will yield fruit. You have gardens here. I have gardens here. Now, my garden is at Costco. My garden is at three schools in the city. It's on the sports fields where the kids play. It's on our street where we live. It's at the gym where I work out. Those are gardens for me. What are your gardens? What are those places here that you are putting something into the culture? You're giving back to the community that's going to yield fruit. Tend them. Tend those gardens that you're sowing into because they are all on this land that God has given us that we need to be worthy of. Our task as residents here, as citizens in this place is great. It is going to take all of us. And I think that's the beauty of coming together on Sundays and coming together in small groups is so that we can be contributors to this place because this is what God's heart is all about. It is God's heart to be here and to contribute to the place that he has us. If you already know that this is your last year in the Bay Area, leave a mark. Leave a mark. Do something in those gardens where he has you that leaves a mark. For the one that raised their hand that's just moving here, <laughs> um, if this is you and you're just starting out, Link arms with the people here at Current Church. This is a community that you can be a part of. If maybe during this talk you're waking up to the idea that, wow, I really do think I have purpose here. I really do believe that God has something for me. This is what this, these summer activity groups are all about. And it's such an easy way to hop in and make connections and build friendships. You know, my favorite part of being a part of a small group in San Francisco is that I can call my mom back in Georgia or I can text a friend who, who lives in Missouri, but they don't get my life like the people in my small group get my life. Because in San Francisco, we're all smelling the same things. We're all stepping over the same things, right? That's, what the, that's the beauty of being a part of a small group in your churches. If you're raising kids here, if you're raising kids here, teach them how to influence this area. Because like Ben said, what we teach our kids and how they invest in the Bay Area, it is having a global impact. Be in the place that God has for you. Be in the place that God has you. Ask him first before you pack up and move. God doesn't call us to easy. He calls us to himself. And with that calling comes a place to do life 
and a people to do life with. A place to do life and a people to do life with. Now, I have to really believe that there is something that you love about living here. Even if your mind is where you've come from or where you're hoping to go one day. But what is it? What's that one thing that you love about living here? Start there. It's where I had to start. My list of differences from where we moved from to the city of San Francisco was long, very long. And it was long for not just the first month we got there, but even for months on end. But I started to take the kids to the library and meet the librarian. We met the concierge at our building. We even enjoyed a nice meal to celebrate one month of making it in the city. But it's those small victories, right? It's those small victories. I believe that love grows for a place as you give back to it. Love will grow for this place as you give back to it. If you are only here to consume, it's going to be hard to love this place. But as you contribute, love will grow. You know, any part of, of our story, when we moved to San Francisco, we moved as a group of 13. Now that group of 13 included five kids, eight adults, but we moved for the purpose of starting a church in downtown San Francisco. But we eventually ventured out as a group and we made our own friends, friends who were already living in San Francisco before we got there. And I remember as we became um, family friends with a family that lived just a few blocks away from us, there was a weekend where they were really sick. The mom, the dad, and the two kids, really sick. So sick they couldn't even go downstairs to the Walgreens to get crackers and Gatorade. And so they texted us and they asked if we would go and bring them crackers and Gatorade, something so simple. But what that did for us in that moment, we felt needed. We felt needed. And feeling needed starts to create roots where you live. Needing, feeling needed starts to create roots where you live. And it's those little things that start to add up. And by your love, you're going to help other people form a love for where we live. But you know this if you've lived here longer than a day that as love grows for a place, so does the tension. So does the tension. Tension is what we feel when we love Jesus and we want other people to know him while at the same time seeing the pain and the hurt and the brokenness around us. Don't ignore the tension. Don't run away from the tension. Don't even let the tension be what causes you to pack up and move somewhere else? Because there's tension in that place too, okay? I believe that God uses this tension to cause our love to grow and to break through and start to reveal the purpose. We had a good idea of why we moved to San Francisco, but truth be told, it wasn't until we started getting into the tension and pushing through the tension that that purpose became even deeper and stronger. This tension that I'm talking about that we face and that you might face as well, it's what gives our oldest child a heart of compassion as he walks by the homeless people on his way home from school every day. This tension is what is stirring curiosity in our second son to make our city more efficient. This tension in our youngest son is what stirs in him and is giving him a sensitivity for the new kids at school. This tension 
has our daughter asking questions that we often turn into prayers. This tension is what Ben carries around with him as he walks through our city with a heart and a vision for people to know him. This tension is what led me to write about it. It's this tension that God wants to use that we want to push away and not deal with. It's this tension that God wants us to break through and love. She's so good. She's so good. I don't need, I mean, she wrote the book. I'm just here. But let's bring this home. Hey, it's really clear to me that you have obviously given your bodies to this place, the Silicon Valley. And my assumption is that no one's living here rent-free. So I assume you've also given your money to this place. Anybody given their money to this place? I don't know about you, and I don't know how it works here, but, um, you know, when I first moved to San Francisco, um, I was just appalled that I had to pay $4 an hour to park. But now that I don't see any parking spaces, if I find one, I'm like, here's 20. Just give me a spot. It's amazing what has changed. But here's the question I want to ask. I don't want to ask you about your bodies. I see your bodies here. I don't want to ask you about your money being here. I see that your money is here. Here's the question I have for you. Have you given your heart to the place you call home? Have you actually given your heart to the place you currently call home? In Luke 19, 41 and 42, it talks about the relationship from a heart level that Jesus had with Jerusalem. And Luke writes, as he, Jesus, approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. It shouldn't be a surprise for me to tell you that Jesus loves the whole world, right? Even if you're not a church person, you probably know the beginning of John 3.16, for God so loved the world. You probably know when Jesus was walking the streets of this earth that he loved every people and every place that he came in contact with. But do you know how many places the scriptures tell us that Jesus wept over? It's between zero and two. Anybody? Just one. Just one. And all that the scriptures teach us. I'm not talking about one individual. He did that with multiple individuals. But in terms of looking at a place and being so moved with compassion, Jerusalem was the only place. Why? He longed for something for his people. He longed that his people would receive what God longed to give them. And he saw them missing out, and it moved him. And as we wrap this up, I want to tell you, I know there are some conversations that you have because we have them often, and I pastor a church who is filled with people who have these conversations often. The conversation is something like this, when are we going to move? Or, how long should we be here? And I think that conversation's okay, but I want to give you a statement, and then really, we're, we're done with our time. Here's what I want to give you. It's time for us to quit focusing on how long we will live here, and instead, let's focus on how we will live here. Let me give it to you again, because this is for every one of you. What's different in this room is the length of time each of us will live here. What needs to become the same is that we begin to answer the how question and not make the first question obsolete, but the how long question, does how long matter if we don't get the how right? It doesn't matter at all. Who cares how long if we're not even doing it how we should do it? And here's what's fascinating too. If you will get the how question right, and you're here for two years living with the right intention and the right focus with the how question, you actually will have a greater impact in your 24 months than someone here who is here for two decades without a purpose. 
And here's what's beautiful. Wherever else you go, if you've learned how to do it here, you will know how to do it there. Guys, it's time to quit marking the X's off the calendar. I mean, that stuff can be important if you have your leave date. But what I want to talk to you is you need to live here a certain way, whether it's way too short or way too long. Before I pray for you, I want to ask you some questions. And I just want you to answer the one that pertains to you. What are the chances that you're here, not just generally in the Bay Area, not just in the two or three years that you've been living here, but you're here this morning because God wanted you to know that though he's the God who made heaven and earth, he's intimately acquainted with your ways. And even if you believe you should have been born in a different place, in a different century, he's got you here so that you would hear today that there's a God who knows you, sees you, loves you, and he's come to find you. If that's you, there's a church here that would love to help you take those steps of faith. Another question I want to ask some of you is, have you begun to realize that this isn't all accidental? It's not just to make something of yourself for a few years, and you heard this was the place to do it, but there's actually purpose in you being here. And if there's purpose in you being here, you need to discover what that purpose is, and then you need to carry that purpose out. Maybe the shift in your heart is just, hey, okay, God, there, I believe there's a purpose. Now let's go find it. One of the scriptures that I pray over my kids all of the time is from Psalm 138, verse 8. It's the English standard uh, version, but it, but it says this, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Even before you know his purpose, be confident in the reality that he has one. But then the last question I have for you is this. Is it time to give not just your body and your money and your work to this place? Is it time to give your heart? And if the answer is yes, and by the way, I think it is, what does that look like for you? Would you just take some time? I want to give you 30 seconds just of silence, just to process those questions, and then I'll pray to close out our time. But what might, what might God be saying to you about where you are and how you should live where you are? God, we ask that you would speak to us about why you have us here. God, for the person who's filled with joy in being here, would you clarify some things? God, for the person who lives here with steady anxiety, would you clarify some things? God, for the person who loathes this place, would you speak to them about why they can have hope and encouragement? God, for the man-woman who... Um, doesn't even know what it would mean to be found by you or to find you. God, would you speak in a way in their heart and mind that they could understand? God, would you remove from all of us the idea that we're just here randomly? No, there's purpose. And God, for those of us who don't, honestly, we're kind of like Jonah when it came to the city of Nineveh. We, we really don't even want you to give us a heart for this place. God, would you give us a heart especially for this place? God, you're able to turn our hearts towards what you want us to see. God, you've always, throughout history, you've opened people's eyes and given us a glimpse or a vision of what you have for us. And I pray, even in these moments, for everyone who's present, that you would do the same once again, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Can we give a round of applause thanking Shauna and Ben?